It is Thursday, February 22nd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. And now, People's Choice Award winner for Best Male Who Eats Food, J.P. Shatrick. And not even a close second. In fact, welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday. It's February 22nd. We've got a busy hour ahead. Coaching staff has been announced today. The assistant coaches, most of them on defense, announced by the Jaguars officially, though they have been around for a little bit, apparently. The official announcement earlier, we'll go through those guys. The scouting combine next week in Indianapolis. We'll get to some of the things we have in store on Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio next week. And it's always a kind of a reset building into the next year. We will keep it real, as we always do on Jaguars Happy Hour and our Microsoft social media questions came in hot and heavy today. We've got answers to those questions, maybe. J.P. Shadrick with you. Glad you're with us today on Jaguars Happy Hour. Brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Jeff Lagerman out today. We're on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars YouTube. Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier steps in valiantly. Good afternoon. What season is it? it is it is Jeff killing something or is, is it? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't think it's turkey season. Usually, when he's not here, something innocent. Deer season. Dying. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but we all eat well a yes, few we months do. after. Yeah, that's right. Whenever that's he's right. gone, somehow. So, yeah, happy to be here. Good. Hey, thanks for coming in. We appreciate that, and uh, a lot going on. Of course, um, really starting to build up. It hasn't really been happening the last month or so, but it's felt like it's starting to build toward. Okay, the combine next week. They've announced the coaching staff. Here's the the tag windows open. They've got to cut players at some point. We'll get to all that and the schedule ahead coming up in just a little bit. But one of the biggest priorities was getting the coaching staff finalized after uh, making a, a bunch of cuts, certainly on the defensive side of the football. The Jaguars today announced all the assistant coaches here in the uh, 2024 season and beyond, including Ryan Nielsen, who spoke with the media last week and – you know, he, he was asked, hey, when are you finalizing the staff? And he kind of looked over to the PR staff to the right. He's like, well, they're here, but we'll, we'll get to, uh, you know, the finalization of that coming up. Well, it's here now. What does Nielsen think of the staff that he's hired? Excited about the guys. Worked with some of them. Haven't worked with other. Coached a few. Um, and so it's just it's a great group of guys that I've uh, uh, been very close to. Know that first and foremost, good men. Secondly, really good teachers teachers of the game um, and so when you put those two things together you know they're they're eager and excited we see we, a lot of th- similarities John we'll go through the names here uh, in a moment but it's a mix of guys that he either uh, coached or was with in other places and a couple of guys that may not have been even involved in that process before but starting with defensive backs coach Chris Richard that'll be a a focal point I think a lot because that Hey, that secondary is a big piece of what they're going to do, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Richard uh, serving as the defensive backs coach, um, 17 years of NFL coaching and playing experience. He was with Nielsen with the Saints in 2022. So a couple years ago when they were fifth in total defense and played 38 games in the NFL. Let's start with that. I mean, this is, you know, if you look at a lot of the 
um, the needs, the list for the Jaguars cornerback is right up yeah. there near the top. Yeah, and uh, defensive backs coach overall, a lot of people believe it's the most important uh, secondary – I mean, the most important assistant at defense position now because realistically the front seven is much uh, simpler by comparison. You're scheming more in the back. Uh, the defensive coordinator in this case is a – is a front seven guy, defensive line guy. So, uh, so uh, we'll depend on the back seven. You hear good things. I mean, we'll depend on the, on the secondary coach. Mm-hmm. You hear good things about Chris Richard. Um, you hear good things about the entire staff. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know exactly how he's going to approach things. To me, the important thing about the defensive assistants are, are, are they on the same page as the defensive coordinator? You would think starting off they are. Uh, can they get buy-in from the players? Uh, beyond that, you know me, JP. I, I don't particularly overemphasize assistant coaches in terms of philosophy. It's mainly do the guys in the room believe what these guys are saying, and can they translate what the defense coordinator wants? I'm going to trust they can. Another secondary addition, defensive assistant and cornerbacks coach Corey Robinson. Well, Robinson comes in from the University of Tennessee, the Volunteers, but he spent three years with the Saints, and hence the connection. Yeah, he's got his guys. With Ryan Nielsen, and then another assistant secondary coach and defensive analyst is Mike Gray. So that completes the secondary staff. Matt House, the inside linebackers coach, he was uh, two years with LSU, and the Tigers were (laughs) the top tackling team in the SEC, sixth in total defense and was with the Chiefs for three years before that. So he's been around the league for a little bit, and he'll have his hands on the inside linebackers. That's obviously a huge focus of this defense. As well. Yeah, and uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, to me, is a huge key for this defense. Uh, can they get the most out of him? Uh, can they get him playing at a high level in terms of uh, maybe not making the mistakes that he makes when he's keyed on? And uh, so – that's a big deal. Uh, Foya Luikon, you know, to me seems like the kind of guy, no matter who's coaching him, is going to bring his A game to the table and be able to adapt. Uh, a veteran of the game. Uh, can they reach Devin Lloyd? Uh, you know, I assume they can. You know, I think that'll be a focus, and uh, we'll see. I, I'm not sure. Uh, can an assistant make him make tackles? Can have him in the right gaps? We'll see. We will find out. Defensive line coach is Jeremy Garrett, and uh, Garrett's a guy who actually played for Nielsen at Ole Miss when Nielsen was the defensive line coach for the Rebels. That was from 04 to 07, and the Ed Orgeron years in Ole Miss. Sure. That's a long, long time ago, and has most recently been at Auburn last season, um, but has some time in the NFL as a coach with the Cleveland Browns. So, hey, defensive line there's a at least coming into this offseason, a lot of players with a lot of big contracts up there mm-hmm. in the middle of this defensive line. We'll see who's around. It feels like they're all going to have to be back because of the dead cap numbers. So he's got some guys to work with, and they've got to get stouter and bigger up front. Yeah, and that's a curious uh, spot to me because I th- uh, Devon Hamilton, you have to trust, will come back and be better than he was last year. Uh, with the back injury, I mean, uh, with the back issue, we're going to assume that that – writes itself. Uh, Foley Fadakasi, in, in, in two years since being signed as an unrestricted free agent, has been inconsistent at best. So uh, can they get out of him? Do they want him back? The cap numbers suggest they might have to. Uh, somewhere up front, 
you need better, stouter play. Roy Robertson Harrison will be back because of his contract. So uh, do they add somebody in there? Is it something they want to address? Can you add somebody if if uh, Fotokasi is back? Uh, to me, it's a huge storyline. Uh, they have to be better and stouter than they were at the end of the season uh, in order to be a better run defense. Because at the end of the season last year, they couldn't stop the run, which was a, absolutely opposite of what they were early in the season. How do they get there? Um, maybe it's coaching. I remember Bill Shuey was one of the coaches retained from the defensive staff, yeah. the outside linebackers coach. He has an assistant with him now, Mario Jebriel. So he joins the staff and helps out Shuey with uh, some of the big-time names, obviously, and Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, if they can figure out the, the situation with Josh and the contract going into free agency. Yeah, I'm going to – we have more to say about that yeah, moving forward. Later. I think they'll be coaching Josh Allen, Bill Shuey. You know, if, if uh, Bill Shuey, uh, if he had anything to do with the twenty-seven point five sacks, good for keeping him. <laughs> I mean, There's yes, no doubt so, about that. So obviously, did the job. It helps. Uh, are you ready to help lock down the bank in twenty twenty four? Be the first in line. Select your seats for next season and place your deposits now. Catch all the biggest matchups and don't miss a single moment at jaguars.com slash tickets. Or call 904-633-2000. Jaguars happy hour, 1010XL. J.P. Shadrick with John Osher. We're going through the additions to the coaching staff for 2024 and a few offensive additions as well. Uh, Bernie Parmalee no longer the running backs coach. And Jerry Mack officially announced as a running backs coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. His first season in the National Football League, 20 years in college football. He was with the University of Tennessee the last three seasons. And they were number one in rushing in the Southeastern Conference a year ago. And two years ago, they were the best offense in college football. He threw the ball around a good bit that uh, two years ago. But um, fantastic career in college football, now taking that step. And we've seen a little bit of that trend. There was a lot of uh, kind of uh, buzz on X today of uh, some national reporters talking about how many college coaches are – jumping out of college and trying to get back to the NFL to get away from some of this NIL and off the field yeah. things in college. And that's, that can be real. We haven't talked to Jerry Mack about that, but um, Hey, it is a different style, a different schedule year round. And, and Jerry Mack now gets his first NFL chance. Yeah. If you were a college coach, wouldn't you want out to, I mean, it's a mess. So uh, I, I, again, I have no idea if that's why Jerry Mack uh, wanted out or wanted in. Um, Look, running backs coach, he, he has a great resume. Uh, you would assume that a big part of it will be working with Tank Bigsby, uh, trying to get the running backs up to speed in terms of pass blocking, uh, in terms of steps to the line of scrimmage, detail things. Uh, his resume is great. Um, the task to me for the running backs coach is making sure you get more out of Bigsby than you did last year. They like him as a runner. Uh, he was not ready last year in third down situations or in passing situations. That's not unusual for a rookie running back at all, uh, but it's something that you need to be able to do to get on the field in big situations. Uh, I would think that's a huge task uh, for the running backs coach with Tank Bigsby. Yeah, they didn't have a consistent option outside of um, right. Travis Etienne. Yeah, and you know it, it's in so tough situation. to it's so tough to judge the position. Uh, I got a lot of questions about whether running backs, they struggled last year. ETN's numbers dropped in terms of yards per carry, 3.8 from, I think it was 5.1 in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, 
put those kind of numbers more on the offensive line than I do the backs. To me, backs can usually run if they have room in the NFL. Phil Rouser is still the offensive line coach, but he has a new assistant this year. Greg Austin promoted. He was a quality control coach last year for the Jaguars on the offensive side, but now the assistant offensive line coach for the Jaguars. So Austin will get his hands a little more on this Jaguars offensive line where we're expecting some moving parts in this offseason, and it all starts right there for this offense. Yeah, offensive line to me is we could easily spend an hour a week until free agency talking about the offensive line because there are so many different directions they could go. Uh, are they going to do anything with the center position? Um, are you going to bring Cam Robinson back? And if you do or don't, that could mean an entirely new combination starting there, uh, meaning Anton Harrison on the left and Walker Little on the right. Or it could mean the same combination, meaning Robinson on the left and Anton Harrison on the right. Uh, I assume Brandon Sheriff isn't back because of contract. Uh, what does that mean for Cooper Hodges? Do they trust him coming in? Uh, I, you and I could probably both list out five different starting combinations huh. <laughs> right now yeah. that we predict for week one. And one of us could be right. One of us could be completely, I mean, and I would flip a coin right now on what that might look like in terms of us being right. Uh, there's a, Whatever that number is, you start multiplying combinations, and, oh, it could get to be 5 million different uh, chances. I don't know if it's that, but there's a lot of different chances on this offensive line, but it's got to be better. And uh, one final addition, Jamel Matunga is the offensive quality control coach. Congratulations to uh, him. Last season with the Carolina Panthers as an offensive assistant, uh, trying to work his way up in the coaching ranks in the National Football League. So there you have it, the coaching staff announced for the Jaguars. And, yeah, there is some work to be done between now and then. And uh, these guys hitting the ground running uh, to try to get ready for this 2024 season. And, well, up, up next, though, for them is the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll come back in a moment and get into the week ahead in Indianapolis. It starts on Media Row on Tuesday of next week. We're on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. J.P. Shadrick with John Ozier and Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, John Ozier in for Jeff Lagerman this week. Yes. Glad you're here. <laughs> well, it's great. I, I'm glad to be here. It's a lot going Greater on. Role. A lot about to really go on in the next uh, couple of weeks. We're on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Jags YouTube is where we uh, run this show each and every Thursday at 4 o'clock. I was right? trying to find the camera. Wasn't sure where it was. <laughs> well, we got a, there's like 17 cameras yeah. in here. Yeah. So. We get every angle. Of yes, this we program. do. <laughs> we don't miss one. And that's too many angles. <laughs> there's a lot of angles. On uh, 1010XL today, of course. Um, so, hey, the uh, Jaguars 5K Stadium Challenge presented by Novo Nordisk is coming up Saturday, February 24th. That's two days from now at Everbank Stadium. Register now, jaguars.com slash 5K, the number 5K. And uh, that's a it's always a fun event, man. There's a lot going on around the stadium. And uh, I challenged Baselli one year to that, head-to-head. 5K? Yeah, the stadium 5K, through the ramps and everything. Ooh. It didn't yeah. go well for me. Yeah, I'm not good at up and down. 
I'm not good at much of anything. And I found that was actually when I was back running a lot. Um, and I kept up with Tony for like half a mile. Mm-hmm. And I didn't keep up with Tony anymore. He so just turned on a little bit, an huh? extra gear. Yeah. Huh. This is before the hip went Okay, back, gotcha. Yeah. 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 I, I could see that. Yeah. I, and I, me being me, not He's knowing a professional the difference. Athlete. Yeah. A right. really good one, too. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> the most yeah. athletic tackle in the history right. of, yeah, right, that. And he turned on his jets. I'm not sure you could do that now, though, with the new hips. Probably not. I yeah. should challenge him again. You should, should challenge him it would be bad for you if you lost now. <laughs> it was bad for me anyway. Right. I heard a lot, a lot about it. You might actually be able to find that on jaguars.com. We did a story about that. That was a long, long time ago, though. Wow. It's a minute. That's been a, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Hey, um, there's a busy time coming up. Of course, the uh, Jaguars um, seems like they might have some action in the franchise tag window. At least that's been the conversation this whole offseason so far. And that window is open now through March 5th. March 5th, the deadline to, to put the franchise tag on a player, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks with that. The NFL Scouting Combine starts next week in Indianapolis. We'll be on the ground there starting Tuesday at the Radio Row at the Indiana Convention Center, as always, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On-field testing, I believe, begins Thursday. Uh, they're, they kind of roll the position groups mm-hmm. through, as always. A position group has interviews, media stuff a couple days before they're on the actual field testing. They're interviewing with teams throughout. There's medical exams. There's all happening at one time, and, and all these different position groups kind of spread it out day to day. Uh, the free agency negotiation period, March 11th through the 13th, and then the 13th at 4 o'clock is the start of the league year in 2024, and free agency begins. So between now and then, you got to clear some space mm-hmm. if you're going to start making some runs at top-tier free agency guys. Yeah, and I would expect uh, two or three moves along those lines, either that or – it's always hard to know. People ask you, well, who do you think is getting cut? Who you think? It, it's hard to know – how they're going to do it in terms of you might extend guys, you might uh, add some voidable years. There's ways to clear cap space. Um, I, I would think players such as Rayshon Jenkins, uh, Brandon Sheriff, uh, maybe Cam Robinson. I don't, I don't have a great feel for that. But there are guys who, you know, when you sign these guys for certain deals in certain years, you're not really signing them with the idea that they're going to be around for five years, even the duration of the contract. You're hoping that they can play at a high level to a certain point, and then you have to have drafted well. To see, that's part of the business. And it, I'm not saying uh, Sheriff and Rayshon are bad players, but they seem like guys at the stage of their careers where it might be time to transition. So uh, I would expect moves along those lines uh, before free agency begins. Uh, you know, people always ask, well, what surprises do you expect? Well, if I told you, it wouldn't be surprised. That's yeah, a good point. So, uh, yeah, but I think the one that is interesting is the Cam Robinson one. It, I mean, that's the one that's the yeah. tough one to deal with because it's, what, 20-something million dollars. His cap number is astronomically high. But he was really good when he was out there. He, he has been a really, really good player for them for a long time, reliable, uh, matters in the locker room. To me, he's sort of a core guy, you know, He's a guy who sort of represents what the Jaguars have been for the last five, six, seven years. Oh, well, they didn't win a lot. But you know what I'm getting at. He has been a team in 17. Right. And he has been a guy who has increasingly become a leader uh, around the team, uh, a little bit of a spokesman last year. But beyond that, he's been really solid. And I always say give up 
dependable players at your own risk. Yeah, so uh, they don't come around that often. Yeah, sometimes you have to do it, but there's also guys that when you give them up, you're as soon as you do, you're trying to find another version of that, right? They so, were pretty darn deep at tackles, right, last year because of all yeah. the tackles they have. Anton Harrison, Walker right. Little. Well, all of a sudden you get rid of one of those, you're not as deep anymore. Yeah, and that's what uh, – that's the thing when you start playing what I call depth chart football in the offseason. It's really easy to fall into the trap of, well, they've got this guy at left tackle, this guy at right tackle, and this guy at center, this guy at guard. And then all of a sudden on October 14th, you don't have that guy at left tackle, and you need one to step in. So uh, that has been a dependable situation where when you see a guy go down during the season, you're not panicking when all of a sudden Cam Robinson can't play for a week. Now if Walker Little or Anton Harrison can't play for a week and Cam's not here – now you're probably talking about a rookie or a guy who you don't f- feel as good about. Yeah. At the same time, his ha- his cap number is really really high. So, at some point, you have to be able to trust guys you have drafted to replace guys that you drafted a long time ago. It, is that the time now for Cam Robinson? I think we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, in theory, you could renegotiate and push some things out and you yeah. know trim it down some, but still, and he still gets his money, but. You know, is that in the long-term plan of the organization? Are they right. so confident in the other two tackles, in well, Little and, and Anton, that they wouldn't do that? On paper and in the planning rooms and on the, like, like I said, on the PowerPoint presentations, <laughs> yeah. that's what you're, that's what you would want to do with Cam because he's what going into his eighth year next year. That's right. That's starting to get to be the point where you do want to have drafted well enough where you know, hey. It's a business. We have to move on. But games aren't played on PowerPoint presentations. So sometimes it it doesn't work out as well. But that's – I don't know which way they'll go, but that's what they have to balance as you move forward with, well, ideally here's what we would do. Yeah, but he's really, really good. So you sort of – you know, that's the dilemma. It's why they're there and we're here. Yeah, and that's <laughs> it's a similar conversation on the interior too. I mean, at some point you got to get big bodies that can go out there and play. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Shatley's a free agent coming up. Mm-hmm. He had he was obviously showed his value a lot over the years, right. ten years here. For goodness sakes, he stuck around all these different regimes for a reason because he goes out there when he has to and he produces. But he's also a tenth year player right. or going into his eleventh year, I think, coming up. And think about what we're talking about here, JP. You're talking about. Um, not really knowing what the future is for Cam, for Ezra Cleveland, That's right. for Shatley, and Sheriff. Yeah, Cleveland's a free agent as well. Um, so that's a lot of veteran bodies to be walking out if none of them return. So that's why I keep talking about, whenever I talk about this, the many, many options, many potential plans. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating uh, couple weeks at or, a couple of weeks at uh, at that position, because now you've got to wonder how much do you trust Cooper Hodges, who they like a lot, He's coming off surgery, but who though. has never played in the NFL yeah. beyond a few practices. Yeah. Uh, how do they feel about Luke Fortner? I know fans are down on him. Uh, I don't get the idea the team is as down on him as the fans. Publicly, they have said they support him. Right. So, so uh, yeah. Ezra Cleveland, who played here five or six games, they like a lot. Can they get him back? So it, it's a 
the offensive line is going to look a lot different next year. And it's going to be interesting to see, do you bring in a free agent, draft a rookie, then you have Cooper. It could look a lot different, but they have to make the right moves over the next, what, two months. Or they could just make one change. If they don't bring the right guard back, Sheriff, then the other four stay. <laughs> it's almost the same. Right. In order to get the other four stay, you have to re-sign Ezra. That's right. Which is, he's a veteran guy with four years. Uh, if that happens, then it would be the same five at the end of the year. It could be. and uh, Or four of the five. So, in that case, then you have to go with the storyline of, well, that group needs to play better. That's right. And groups can play better, but that group needs to play better, especially on the interior. We've got plenty ahead. We're going to come back, though, John, as if we haven't done this yet. We're going to keep it real when we come back. Eh, okay. <laughs> and we're going to flip it to defense. That'll be Big good. Big name everybody's talking about. Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen. Oh, sure. yeah, that guy. <laughs> that, Which that name were you think I was thinking about? <laughs> I I thought you were probably talking about What him. was that look? <laughs> I was wondering. What, I'd be curious what you thought I was thinking. Uh, we're back in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. A lot of production, right? Very important. And so when you got a guy like that and and, uh, and you want him back and think that's going to work out, uh, would be really excited if that works out. Uh, really excited to work with him. Her, nothing but great things. Talk to Josh and, and, uh, and he's been he's been fantastic. And so that'll get worked out, get him back and, and get him get him going and, and hopefully get him into improve. That's the ultimate goal, right? Just take one. If we can just get that much better next year, Really, what does that look like? That's pretty exciting, right? And so that's kind of what we, we want to work towards. That's Ryan Nielsen, Jags defensive coordinator, last week during his press conference a week ago today when asked about Josh Allen. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District, Florida's water. It's worth saving. And J.P. Shadrick with John Osher in for Jeff Lagerman today. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. As we will be uh, each and every Thursday in this offseason up until about mid-June at the end of the offseason program. Time now, John, for Keeping It Real. All right. This is what we do. We keep it real. Yeah, I'll keep it real. Nielsen's quote should have been, big fan. <laughs> big fan. <laughs> well, the like Josh a lot. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> right. The question today, though, is not about whether you like him or not, because I think everybody's in agreement that... Jags like him, and Josh Allen likes it, all that. If it's a franchise tag and he plays under that, if it's a long-term deal and he plays under that, if it's a tag, then they get to a deal before the season, does it really matter if he's just on the field next year? For next year, no. I mean, I think you would like to get him locked up for the long term, or I, or I would. I think he's a very safe uh a safe re-signing for a lot of reasons that I've outlined uh, many times in recent weeks. He's a really good player, uh, even if he's not getting huge sack numbers. And I've said a million times, people get tired of me saying it, but when he had seven and a half sacks, seven sacks in the years leading up to his 17 and a half sack season, I still thought he was by far the best defensive player on the team. And when a defensive player would be hurt, I would always scan the field hoping it wasn't Josh Allen. Because I don't know where you go to replace what he gives you in terms of consistency. Really good against the run. Uh, effort always there. You never hear, you know, a lot of pass rushers, you'll hear whispers, hey, he takes plays off. 
Well, you never hear that about Josh. Mm-mm. So, uh, to me, you get him re-signed, get a deal done. But that's easy for me to say. I'm not sitting there looking at the numbers, trying to crunch what value is on that. That's up to those guys. Um, so, it would seem like that's something you want to do. In terms of what happens on the field, I don't think it matters that much for 2024, whether he's tagged or whether he is uh, um, Signed under, long, under long-term deal, yeah. as long as the long-term deal discussions aren't insulting. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. uh, but even if they are, Josh, to me, is a guy who – it's a business, so there's things that go back and forth during negotiations that might, you know, anytime you have human beings talking to each other, irritated, happy, whatever all those things are. But I don't think he carries that into his preparation, and I don't think he carries anything business side of it into how he gives during a season. You've been around him for five years, JP. I have mm-hmm. too. Uh, he plays for his teammates, his team, his pride. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see a, a big difference in Josh, whether he's franchised or whether he is a long-term deal. I think the reason the long-term deal is so important is because I want to see him here in, in 2025, yeah, in, in 2026. And for, from Josh's perspective, the long-term deal is guaranteed more money sure. and over a longer period. Yeah. So the, yeah, more money is better than less money. Right, right? but yeah. the question is, does it matter? Yeah. For 2024, uh, now, if he is franchised and has 10 sacks compared to 17 and a half, then everybody's going to say, well, you know, he's mad. He didn't, you know. But I don't see him being a guy who doesn't prepare. I thought he prepared at the same level uh, and effort, whatever. I, I, I'm not sure there was a big difference in his preparation between uh, 23 and moving now between 2022 and 2023. He timed it right and had a, and had a huge year, but – you can't tell me that he was that much more motivated well, in 2023 <laughs> than 2022. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you on that because his everyday – He was playing for a contract the year before too. Work habits and everything are what they are. But I think he heard some of that noise. Yeah. I mean, he at least told me that. At, um, yeah. did Was there a game record on this defense? That was the big well, question sure. going into that season. And I think he spent a lot of this offseason thinking about that and how he could become that game-wrecking – air quote, type of player, and sack numbers turn you yeah. into that guy. But to your point about, uh, you know, in 2022, he only had seven sacks, right? Good year, solid year. But he also still had 22 quarterback hits, mm-hmm. 11 less than he had last year. He had four forced fumbles, uh, two recoveries, which are hard to judge, but he also had that touchdown in the in the last week of the season. Yep. So he, he was impactful in other ways beyond just sacks. That's your point, and – I think that will be at least the the bottom floor, the basement of what he will be. He's always going to yeah. be around the football right. and impactful in some way if it's if it's sacking the quarterback or otherwise. Yeah, my point with Josh is I don't think you're going to get a lower a different level of preparation, effort, desire uh based on whatever you do. Whatever happens in the off season, whether he's franchised, whether he's not, I don't think you're going to get a different level of preparation and and uh effort and even impact I think he's always going to be a pressure guy whether it breaks right and he always gets sacks uh sacks sometimes are beyond a player's control yeah that's I mean you can be right there around it near it and they get it out or it's fumbled or whatever before you get there or whatever happens and the best example I can give of that uh Hall of Famer Dwight Freeney once told me his best year was uh, when he had four and a half sacks (laughs) 
And <laughs> it, he felt like he played better that year. His opportunities weren't the same. Uh, but he he swore up and down that his best year was when he had four and a half sacks compared to 13 or, or 12. And sometimes it's just circumstance. And this is a guy who, you know, had a lot of double-digit double sack seasons. It's something to, to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, if they don't come to a long-term deal before March 5th, do they uh, they going to have to put the tag on him? And we'll see what happens. Well, I'm assuming that if he has a long-term so, deal, yeah, they'll tag it. He'll have the tag. So, we'll have to. Uh, and then does that mean you can get him to a long-term deal later? Uh, I, I would think it would be something that you keep working on. But so much of this is uh, speculation because they're really not – I don't think either side is going to talk very much about the specifics of this mm-hmm. um, until you're franchised. And then, you know, they may say, no, he's just going to play on the tag this year. I, I don't have a good feel for which way that will go. Well, uh, I know there's been a long history of the Jaguars, right? A lot of different decision makers over the years. But the Jaguars have had in the past 10 mm-hmm. franchise tags used. Six of those instances have been a tag and then sign a long-term deal before the next season starts. Right. A, a couple of those, two other ones, three other ones, played under the tag number that year, including Donovan Darius twice before he signed a long-term deal. And then uh, Yannick Ngakwe was tagged and then traded. That was a, not going to happen anyway. So no. now a lot of different decision-makers over that time. Right. You never know. Every instance is different, but – uh, in theory, and, and what's so bad about the franchise thing anyway? It's it's twenty something million dollars if it's one year. I mean, yeah, it's, not it's a bad it's, year. It's fine. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's it, it would be good money for Nothing you to and me. At. Kirk Cousins uh, didn't sneeze at it in Washington a couple of years. No, and he played his way into a lot of money on those tags. Yeah, uh, I think just generally, you sort of know just from Josh has three children. He'd like to know where he's going to be too. Yeah. There's an element of that. And for a player like Josh, the guaranteed money of a long-term deal would be greater than the guaranteed money of the tag. Uh, so it it sends you a little worry of staying healthy for the next year before you can get to that guaranteed money the next year. So it's 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 better for the player. They all want the longer-term deal, um, except Kirk Cousins, who became a wealthy man on a lot of short-term he deals. He certainly did. So, and then got the fully guaranteed thing in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. I think he's up again, right? He's a he's I a free he's agent coming up. Every up. year of his career, yeah, I think so. seems, yeah. and he's uh, yeah, he's doing. He's played fine. the system. He's uh, he might be in the business hall of fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he is in. Yes, he is. Was no that uh, Andrew Brandt has that? Um, so there you have it. Keeping it real. Josh Allen, tag deal, tag then deal doesn't matter. He's going to be on the field next. Yes. Year. So yes and no, it does or doesn't. Well, yes, he'll be on the field. Yes. So no, it doesn't matter. So no. Yes and no. Depending on your perspective. Matters to Josh. I'm sure it does. <laughs> so, hey, you know, it probably also matters to Trayvon Walker, right? I mean, if you have that other guy across from you or helping you on the defensive line, um, the other edge, as it were, if the, unless they start moving Walker around a little bit more, then it's, it's better to have that help across from you or beside you or wherever that happens to line up. Yeah, no doubt. Your ideal is that they're both hard to block so that they can't, that they have to choose to double one of them on all plays. And then that leaves the other guy free on plays. So that's your ideal. It felt like they uh, – Trayvon got doubled a lot all of last year, uh, and so did Josh. So by the end of the season, they did have that feel of 
both of them being hard to block. When you get 27 and a half sacks and, uh, and a lot of pressures, what they would like is to maintain something close to those numbers and then get some help on the interior. That's that's where it that's gets the real. next step. That's where it turns into twenty seventeen. Right now, in fairness, to the guys on the interior, they had to have gotten some pressure, or the guys on the edge don't get those numbers. So, if the guys on the interior are doing nothing, then you can step up too easily. But it was but, just so inconsistent with injuries last year yep. up there. I mean, Hamilton and and Foley Fatakasi. I mean, those guys were off the field more than they were right. on. Yeah, I would say. Uh, run stopping at the end of the season was more of an issue for those guys in the interior than pressure in the passing game. That's right. Because they were good early against the run and and took the ball away, and then that that all just went away. All all went away. Disappeared. Uh, There you have it, keeping it real. We're back in a moment, and we've got the Microsoft social media questions. Yes, we did. Yes. It's right around the corner. And, John, you have answers. I will try. I might have an answer or two. Okay. Also. I don't know. I doubt it. I'll defer to you. I wouldn't hold my breath right. on that. Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, in for Jeff Lagerman this week. Glad you're along with us on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. It's time for the social media questions presented by Microsoft. We put out the cat signal earlier today. Here are the best we've come up with. At I'm Bill McNeil, after not being able to trade up using the extra picks in last year's draft, will GM Trent Baalke reconsider having 11 billion picks in this year's draft? Um, well, they had 13 last year, right? Yeah. Uh, Picked them all. I'm not quite sure what the question is wanting him. Like, he's got what this year? Eight or not? Seven or eight, somewhere so in there. So, yeah. he'll probably go into it with two more from comps. In theory, yeah. So, uh, will he reconsider it? I, I'm not sure that he really went in last year wanting that many. Uh, so... I don't think GMs typically want that many draft picks. So I would think if he goes into it with around 9 or 10, a lot of that depends on what they think of the following year's draft, what they think of the later rounds. Yeah. Uh, so it it's tough. I, I get the point. Everybody says, well, it's too many draft picks. He, you know, uh, They wanted to move up for certain guys. Uh, they tried. So, uh, you know, it, I guess I'm not sure what reconsider means in the question. Yeah, I, I mean, think he, it, to answer the question best I can, I think he would like uh, to have nine or 10 and then be then able to some, move up and go get a guy when he wants it. If you but can. I think he wanted that last year too. There were instances where mm-hmm. they tried to trade, but it's always easy to say after, well, he should have tried harder to trade. Well, you, you try to trade, <laughs> but you also don't want to give up so much in the trade that you lose value in it. So tr- just because you can't trade doesn't mean you know you're you're an awful trader. <laughs> it means that 
you worked at this trade, couldn't get the value you wanted, and decided to stand pat. So, and if we know anything about Trent Baalke and his drafting history, he's a fantastic trader. I mean, the guy yeah. has so many trades on yeah. draft day over the years in San Francisco and here. It's that, it yeah. just didn't happen last year. Yeah, sometimes you, you want a guy, the other team knows you want the guy, and they also want the guy, or, or they want a player at this spot uh, somebody asked me last week about uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, what would it take to go up and get him from 17? Uh, that would be too much, I would think. Also, it sometimes depends on the player. Like, this this uh, questioner assumed that Marvin Harrison Jr. would be available at number four in, in the draft. Wow. Well, uh, if that player wasn't perceived as being as good as Marvin Harrison Jr., or that team didn't want that player – wouldn't take as much. If the team sitting at four really wants Marvin Harrison Jr., then there's nothing that can make you go. That's so, right. I'm exaggerating. There would be something if you gave him, like, your new car. But, I mean, Think it, about last year, right? The Texans moved up to get Will Anderson. Right. right after they had picked number one, they right. go up to number three, and th- yeah. they had the picks to do it. They had all these first-round right. the picks from the Deshaun right. Watson if, stuff. If the team sitting there they wanted had him. been dead sold on yeah. Will Anderson, it wouldn't have mattered what the Texans get. That's right. There's a price. So, uh yeah, I, I I hope I answered the question. It was, it was a little tricky one. in yeah. terms of knowing. I, I, I don't think Trent wants to go into a 13. I don't think they wanted it last year, but it sort of became a deal where they couldn't get out of it. Yeah, and with that many players, there's only so many that can truly contribute in one season. Right. I mean, in theory, right? I mean, they had – Harrison was obviously on the field all year. Strange was on the field most of the season. Bigsby, we know about him. Ventrell Miller had the foot issue all year. Lacey played some. Abdullah was inactive a lot of the time. Antonio Johnson late in the year after he came back from his injury. Parker Washington contributed. And then you get down to round six and seven, and it's Braswell and Hallett in the secondary. Cooper Hodges had the knee issue. Bohasek didn't make the team. Derek Parrish didn't make the team, the seventh-round guy. So that kind of happens sometimes, especially with that many picks. Well, sometimes – There's only so many spots on the team. With, sorry about that. Who's who's we, calling you? you know, they don't know you're on the air, John? With sixth and seventh round picks, uh, people say, well, why didn't they trade those for higher picks? Just, yeah. Well, the, if the other team doesn't want them either. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of tough, too. So uh, it can be tricky on drafting. Next question at uh, Radis underscore Johansson. Of the teams that missed the playoffs last season, where do the Jags rank in terms of likelihood of elevating themselves back into the playoffs? Um, I think they're right on the border, right? I haven't really looked at all the teams that missed it, to be honest with you. But, look, they were 9-8 and uh, and missed it by – I think they were the last team out. Uh, They were a game away from going. I I don't think they're going to be – Worse. Let's go through the teams who missed. Yeah. Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Las Vegas, Denver, Jets, Titans, Chargers, Patriots. I would put them second to Cincinnati. Right. In terms of if I was trying to be neutral, uh, would I think the Bengals would go make the playoffs next year? I think they have a really, really good chance. Got the quarterback. It would surprise me more if the Bengals weren't in the playoffs and if the Jaguars weren't in the playoffs. But I, th- I, I think the Jaguars, I think there's a very good chance they go back to the playoffs. I think they're a 9-8 and eight team. And uh, last year with – I think they would have been in the playoffs had uh, Trevor and, uh, and Christian not gotten hurt. So I'd, I, don't, I don't anticipate them being worse than that. Uh, 
but no team really anticipates being worse. You always think you're going to get better. That's right. And all of a sudden, Houston made the surge in year one mm-hmm. with that whole crew. Yep. And that feels like they could build some momentum as well. So they just got Which is continue. exactly what everybody was saying about the Jags on this show <laughs> last year. very true. So, it could go the other way. It, yeah, so we'll see. We'll you see. don't know. You just don't know. Next question at Jagsfan5858. Does it make sense to let Calvin Ridley walk and then try re-signing him so we can keep the second-round pick? I would think we need that second-round pick to draft other needs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it makes sense. Risky. Um, unless... He, resigned, he signed somewhere else. So, Unless you have some kind of wink-wink uh, deal in place or something weird like that. Yeah, but, and you know. that may be. And if if they do, good for them. Uh, I would, you know, I'm a burden hand guy. So, uh, yes, it it's something they conceivably try. I, d- I don't know how much sense it makes. You'd be, you would love to have your cake and eat it too, which that is. Uh, so, yes, it makes sense. There would also be the risk of him signing somewhere else. Somebody goes and offers him a boatload of money, and yeah. all of a sudden he's signing yeah. the paper the day after free agency right. starts. Which is why you hope there's there's very little tampering before the real tampering window. That's <laughs> true. So. Uh, next question, our last question of the day. At Carnival Thomas, has social media helped or hurt professional sports on the whole? Just looking for commentary from two vets of the industry. I, this is... It's this good, is such a deep question. I had yeah. to take it today. It's um, interesting. I think it's, it's yes is the answer. Yeah, it's depending on your perspective. I think, I think for young people, I think it's made it more interactive at times and more fun. Uh, for old coots like me, <laughs> um, I, I, d- you know. I don't know that it's helped the quality on the fi- I'm th- I guess I'm thinking more about the quality of games hadn't really affected that very much. Uh but in in terms of following it it's certainly uh I can remember when I was in college following the the uh, Washington football team uh there were times you felt very distant from it. The only times I ever really learned about that team were when I was watching them on, on not TV mm-hmm. because the internet, I would put up with that as much as social media. It, you know, the Washington post, I got it like three or four days late in the Florida library. So I, I was hungry for all information on the team. Uh, but I didn't know every backup guard, the way fans who really follow us and the team mm-hmm. do now. I didn't know, I didn't read a press conference wrap up after every practice. I, I, there was no Twitter, so you, it wasn't in real time. Uh, so that it's different. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, it's it's better because there's more quantity of coverage now, but right. the quality is diluted a little bit. Sure, so you have to be very careful about why you're reading a certain tweet or article from a tweet or yeah. whatever it is to make sure it's truly news or does it matter? You know? Yeah, I think it, it's made it's it tough. harder for... You don't have to be as qualified now to, you know, or have a lengthy journalistic career correct. to, to have that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it gets into the coverage. Is the coverage better now uh, than it was then? I would say no because newspapers are dying out so much that 
I'm not sure it's as good, but that's not necessarily social media's fault as much yeah. as the internet. So yeah. it, it's it's uh. Now, to your point, has it changed the game? I mean, I, I don't know. think it's changed the game. I has it changed players' mentality about how they put stuff out? Sure. I think it's ratcheted up the pressure and the immediacy, and what's reacted to. I think it's made the it's made the coaches' press conference and media access points more high volatile that's not the right word i'm looking for but it, it's made that more of a pressure cooker type thing for where you've really got to watch what you say and it's all immediate and doug might say something on the podium and people just react to it and it's, it's out a, there and he's an seconds. idiot he's you know yeah. whereas before a coach might say something and it would be in a story and on tv yep. and it would be a little more nuanced maybe and a little more not the reaction to it that there is now uh <clears throat> So it's made it harder for them, I think, on that front to change that dynamic. Is it better or worse? Uh, you know, the old man shouting at clouds in me said it's probably worse, but it's probably not. It's, it's probably just different. I mean, so yeah, that's uh, I think – It's an interesting thought. Though. I do think this. Yeah. In terms of watching your team, the immediacy now is, it, is so much different. I mean, it, it was uh, – for a fan, this is better. Without question, and I can share this story. Watching the Washington football team in in uh, 1976, uh, which is way back, JP. Been a while. I'm a, I'm in the sixth grade. They're all that matters to me, right? I mean, th- this is my team. They lost, or they won a game. I didn't know they had won till the next morning. It was a one o'clock game. Oh wow, yeah. Because so it wasn't on. It just wasn't on, and no sports center. There was no sports, so that's different. Yeah, it is. It's not as good. There you have it. Thanks for the social media questions powered by Microsoft. Coming up next week, we will be in Indianapolis Tuesday, Wednesday, thirty Thursday from Radio Row. Plenty of guests already lined up. We'll have uh, many more in the hopper. Daniel Jeremiah will join us. NFL Network, Charles Davis, Matt Miller of ESPN, Jordan Reed of ESPN, Field Yates. They're all on the docket. Plus many more. All our shows, Jags AM will move to Wednesday next week. We'll have Jags Happy Hour Thursday at 4 o'clock from Radio Row. Thanks to our entire crew. John, thanks for coming in today. Enjoyed it. Good to see you. Fantastic. John, I haven't seen you enough this week. I saw you yesterday. That's true. John Osher, (laughs) senior writer, Jaguars.com. Our thanks to uh, David Cho, Brent Reber, and Joe Fortunato. And thanks to you for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving.